Well, we are uh, presently in a study of the book of Hebrews, and for several weeks now, uh, we have been working through uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, which is the end of the chapter. It is important to remember that the Hebrew Christians to whom the book was written uh, were facing Roman persecution, which caused them to not only struggle with the cost of following Jesus, but also to question if Jesus really cared about their plight in life, just like we often question God in our adversity. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, the writer reassures his readers of Jesus' love for them. And he does this by focusing on Jesus' solidarity with them. Jesus loved them so much, he became one of them. Why? To suffer Roman persecution. And to die on a Roman cross in order to pay the penalty for their sin and bring them into God's family. Jesus loved them with a love that death could not kill. The grave could not bury. A love that rose again to stand with them forever. And because Jesus became one of them, He understood their struggles. He understood their fears and their anxieties. He understood the frailty of human flesh. And because He understood, He could help them overcome those fears and anxieties, just like He can help us today. Now, I do not have time this morning with the Lord's Supper to review all that we've covered up to this point. Uh, You can go to the church website, and you can listen to any message that you would have missed. This morning, we're just going to focus on that third point in your sermon notes, and it's on the back side, the third point, which simply says, Jesus shared the human condition in order to rescue man from the tyranny of the devil and the fear of death. Jesus shared the human condition. He became one of us in order to rescue man from the tyranny of the devil and the fear of death. If you haven't already done so, please open your Bibles uh, to Hebrews uh, chapter 2. And our focus this morning will be verses 14, 15, and 16. Since then, the children share in flesh and blood. And who's that referring to? Us, you and I, uh, the children of God. Since we're human, since we share in flesh and blood, He, Jesus Himself, likewise also partook of the same. Partook of the same what? Flesh and blood. Referring to His incarnation. When He left heaven to come to the ghettos of this sin-cursed world, As a man, to die for our sin. 
And then notice the reason. It gives the purpose of Jesus becoming a man. That, or in order that, through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. In these verses, the devil is depicted as an evil tyrant who has enslaved mankind through the power of death. We, you know, we saw in a previous message that when the devil seduced Adam and Eve uh, to rebel against God, uh, they forfeited the dominion of the earth over to the devil. At that point, he gained dominion of the earth. And how tragic that uh, the human family who was created by God to rule over God's creation became a slave to the devil. And sin infected the hearts of Adam and Eve. And as a result, that sin was passed down as a hereditary disease to every succeeding generation. And since all are born sinners by nature, all grow up to be sinners by choice. And that's why the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says, the wages of sin is what? Death. Uh, Not only physical death, but spiritual death. Being separated from God, not only in this life, but in the next life, in eternal punishment. And God had clearly warned Adam and Eve that if they were to disobey, the consequence would be death. Romans 5, 12 uh, really sums this up all very well in just one neat statement. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. Why? Because all sin. Sin and death became powerful weapons in the hands of the devil. He uses sin to enslave men. And he uses death as his henchman to send men into a Christless eternity. The devil is the most ruthless and cruel terrorist that this earth has ever known. Jesus said that he comes only what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. His one goal is to keep men in bondage to sin until they die because after death there is no more opportunity for salvation. As it says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed to men to die once. And then comes judgment. Man's situation appeared to be just absolutely hopeless. I mean, the only way to escape the devil's prison and the sentence of death which hung over them 
would be for a sinless man to pay the penalty for mankind's sin. But where are you going to find a sinless sacrifice when all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? It appeared that the devil had won. It even appeared that the devil had had outsmarted God himself. Using God's own sense of justice and righteousness and holiness to condemn man to eternal punishment. The man that God had created. The man that God loved. But God had a plan, didn't he? A plan that was motivated by his great love for the human family. A plan motivated by his great love for you. God himself would become a man. He would become that sinless sacrifice to die. To pay for the penalty of your sin. And deliver you from the power of death. And in so doing, render the devil powerless. Look once again at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since then... The children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same. That in order that through death again. He might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Let me show you something which uh, provides just an absolutely beautiful, uh, magnificent and powerful portrait uh, of our Lord. And I just want to use this... uh, Uh, to really hopefully ignite our passion and worship of Him as we go into the Lord's Supper. Back in verse 10 of uh, chapter 2, Jesus is called the author of our salvation. That could just as easily be translated. And matter of fact, I would personally think this is a better translation, the champion of our salvation. The champion of of our salvation. It is possible when the writer of Hebrews wrote chapter 2, he was drawing an analogy from an old form of warfare. Instead of two armies engaging in combat, which would involve the loss of life and treasure on both sides, What would often happen in, again, agent conflicts, the opposing commanders would each select a champion to represent their side. The two champions would then fight with the outcome determining not only the fate of the two champions, but the fate of the people they represented. Uh, The contest between David and Goliath is an example of this. And even when you look at the Old Testament prophets, they often portrayed God as a divine warrior who would rise up as a champion for his people to deliver them from enslavement to their enemies. For example, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 13, we read, Yahweh advances as a champion. As a man accustomed to battle, he will stir up his zeal with a shout. He will raise the cry of battle and will triumph 
over his enemies. It may even be possible that the writer of Hebrews had in mind Isaiah 49 verses 24 and 26 when he wrote Hebrews 2. And those verses read, can plunder be taken from a champion or captives rescued from a tyrant? Well, this is what the Lord says. Okay, here's his answer. Yes, captives will be taken from the champion and plunder retrieved from the tyrant. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will rescue. Then all the human family will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the champion of Jacob. These verses find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus is the champion of our salvation who became one of us so as man's representative he could confront and defeat the devil and set us free from the power of sin and death. This is summed up in the next statement in your notes. At the cross... Jesus, representing the human family, and that's exactly what was happening on the cross, Jesus, representing the human family, engaged in combat with the devil. The outcome not only determined the fate of the two combatants, but also those they represented. The victory He won, He won for you. Amen? He won it for you. It is also important for you to see why Jesus' death had the power to defeat the devil. Look at the next statement in your notes. Jesus' death had the power to render the devil powerless because it was not the consequence of human rebellion like our death, but the expression of human consecration to the will of the Father. Jesus' death had the power to render the devil powerless because it was not the consequence of human rebellion. He had committed no sin but the expression of human consecration to the will of the Father. Think just how unique, unusual this battle was between Jesus and the devil with the souls of men hanging in the balance, with your soul hanging in the balance. In this unusual battle, victory for Jesus could only come how? By surrendering to death in obedience to his father while victory for the devil would be to cause Jesus to deliver himself from death but because of his great love for you Jesus refused to save himself so he could save you the Hebrew Christians need not fear death and we need not fear death the champion of our faith not only endured death, he not only conquered death through the resurrection, he transformed death into a door that opens wide into all the glories of heaven for those who put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. As 1 Corinthians 15 says, death has been swallowed up in victory. The victory won by the champion of our salvation. And so now as we enter this time of Lord the Lord's Supper, this celebration of who Jesus is and what he did for us, let's worship.
Let's worship the champion of our soul. Let me go ahead and ask the elders and deacons if they would get to their respective places. But We're told that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread and after He had given thanks, He what? He broke it. And he says, this is what? My, my body. Or drawing from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, his flesh. That he laid down as a sacrifice to you. The Bible tells us that when he was nailed to that cross, he bore your sins on that cross to pay the penalty. And then we're told after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup represents my blood, his blood that we read about in Hebrews 2.14. He partook of flesh and what? Blood. Shed his blood for the remission of your sins. Shed his blood to gain you entrance into heaven, to gain you access to the very holy of holies in your time of need. And the beautiful thing is I often share when we celebrate the Lord's table is Jesus is here. The champion of our faith is here. He's the host of the table. He's standing with us as we saw last week. He's in our midst, not as a spectator, but what? As a participant uh, to worship His Father with us, uh, to proclaim the majesty and the greatness of His Father. And so, we too uh, want to worship now. Would you pray with me, and then after I pray, I'll give some very brief instructions, and then we'll observe. Lord Jesus, how could we ever find the words to express our appreciation for You, the champion of our faith? The one who left heaven to become a man on earth to engage in combat with the devil, with our very souls hanging in the balance. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the victory that you won. As you chose not to save yourself, but to surrender your life to death in obedience to your Father out of your great love for us, that this morning we could enjoy an eternal salvation. So that we could enjoy your presence. And truly, Lord, as we look at the champion of our faith, as we see his battle scars, the pierced hands, the pierced feet, the wounded side. Father, how can this not evoke 
in our hearts overwhelming gratitude to be expressed in praise and worship. The Lord said sacrifice also demands sacrifice on our part. And so, Lord, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we rejoice in your grace and your mercy and love, as we rejoice in the champion of our faith who won the victory for us, may we also be motivated out of delight to lay down our lives for you, to live for you. And when our time comes to die for you, without fear, knowing that death for us as believers is simply a door that opens into the arms of Jesus. For it's in His name we do pray. Amen.